What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming at you live on this Sunday night. Noah, getting a little bit back on track. That's that's the new Bench Chatter. We're a little bit back on track. Oh, Colin, I thought we were back on track on uh, Wednesday, actually. Do you mean Thursday? Thursday, yes. Back on track. Thursday, the hour before the the draft. Yes. Yeah, an interesting uh, strategy by us. Uh, not quite planned, but an interesting strategy nonetheless. Um, you know, I, I didn't really expect that one to do numbers, Noah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. But we did. It did no numbers. Yeah, I didn't. I, actually, I didn't look to see how many numbers it did because I, I can't imagine it did well. Um, but that's not really why we do this podcast. Uh, for those yeah, yeah that, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, we don't do this to you know pay the bills or keep a roof over no. our family's head. No, no, no. We've been begging you guys long enough to make <coughs> this thing happen, and and we we've accepted with where you're at. <laughs> we we've got like six or seven really good listeners, and and we appreciate them, and that's who we do this for. Um, I am on my fourth remortgage of my house, so guys. So if you could, you know. Maybe throw yeah, dude, me and I, Colin a couple dollars. I've got like 300 scratchies just like laying around my apartment right now. <laughs> I need something to fucking hit. <laughs> yeah. Just like, Colin, many of these teams oh. needed something to hit in oh, this upcoming in this, draft. In this lottery, if you will. Wow. That was a transition there. That was a good transition. Um, yeah, so I, I think, Noah, since we were, um, you know, recorded our our draft analysis um, literally the minute up until the draft started, um, you know, I, I think we should, we should give the people a good breakdown of our opinions, how we thought this draft went from different teams' standpoints. You know, uh, we we talked about it a little bit. We did the the best part about the pod on Thursday was that we did live react to the first couple picks, which I did think was pretty cool. I did like that part. Mm-hmm. That uh, was that was fun because it was a shakeup con in uh, the number one pick of draft. Yeah, what was, many people had mocked what many predict going to happen. Um. About all mainstream media platforms, Con felt like they were going to have Jabari. They did have Jabari Smith mock drafts going yeah. number one to Magic. Um, and that did not happen, Con. No, I mean, as mainstream as Woj got duped, I seriously, Noah, cannot remember the last time Woj was wrong. They're just straight yeah. up wrong. Like. Like, even back to, like, remember when Kawhi was a free agent after winning one with the Raptors? And it was, like, 99% he was going to be a Laker, and the only person saying he wasn't going to be a Laker was Woj. And obviously, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) he was right. Like, that's how consistently correct Woj is. Like, I, I seriously, like, you would, I would have to do a deep dive to figure out the last time he was wrong. Maybe he fucked up, like, a small trade or something. But on the scale of, like, the first pick, I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's it's pretty funny to watch. And, I mean, it was it was as big as the draft books had Jabari at minus 2,000 at one point on Friday. Like, Friday afternoon mm-hmm. or Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon. Yeah. 
that's nuts. Yeah. And um, let's let's just go through it, Colin. Like, let's do like the first however many picks you want, and just go through and give our opinion, yeah. and you know, end it with a grade. Um, so the Orlando Magic with the number one pick take Paolo Bancaro, the power forward out of Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good pick, Colin. Uh, I'm gonna be honest; it was a bit shocking in the moment, just because the Magic kept this thing really under wraps when a lot of people. Basically, everyone had penciled in Paolo Bancaro third to the Rockets, and they were just kind of saying, you know, if you really wanted Paolo, why didn't you trade back or, you know, do whatever. And at the end of the day, the Magic end up getting their guy, I think the guy who is the best fit for them and the best prospect in the class. Um, a lot of other people think that Paolo Bancaro was the best in the class. I even said on unreleased um, Thursday mock draft episode, Colin, that I did think really Paolo Bancaro, really that I did think Paolo Bancaro was uh, going to be probably was probably the best player at the moment out of the first three picks. Um, how how do you like the pick, Colin? No, I'm going to be honest. I you're right. It's not a bad pick, but I I struggle to sit here and call it a good pick because you're right. He's he is probably the most NBA ready of those top three guys right now, but the Orlando Magic aren't NBA ready. They're not ready to compete. So that should be thrown out the window. That does not matter to me. You know, you should purely be evaluating these guys based on where they'll be three to five, seven years down the road. Like, that should be your analysis. And Mm -hmm. when you're the Orlando Magic, you're really not a free agent destination. I know you maybe could be with the Florida weather and and Florida tends to attract free agents, but that just does not seem to be the case for them. You got to take the big swing. And I, I just don't see it with, with Paulo. I mean, the, the power forward position, and I know we play positionless basketball. I mean, it's just, it's really not a position that dominates the NBA anymore. Like it's just not a position that I, I find to be as valuable as what the other two provide. I just think his skill set is less adept to the NBA game. You know, the the best he can provide. Like, when you're getting comps of Chris Webber and Julius Randle, that's great. That, that's great for the third pick. You know, when, when you've got a guy that you compared to KD available... <laughs> It's tough for me to sit here and be like, yeah, no, you nailed that one. So I give it like a B, B minus. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Colin, because from where I'm grading it, I'm grading it from an Orlando Magic perspective. And I guess what their front office is thinking, Colin, is that they're a little bit farther ahead of schedule than I think they thought they would be. Um, to where, you know, potentially they think maybe we don't have time to wait the given amount of time that Chet's going to need. Or I mean, they see they see Paolo Bancaro having in a higher ceiling than a Jabari Smith Jr., which honestly, I don't think that is that crazy of a thing to think. Um, for a team that had such an obvious need, Colin, for an offensive focal point, 
Um, Orlando didn't have anyone who averaged 17 points or more per game last season. Right, but all three of these guys could be offensive focal points. I, I want to make that clear. Yes, but then that goes back to the point that I think the Magic are farther ahead than they think. Okay, so then then talk to me about that. Like, what the Magic made some nice steps this year. I I don't think that they're as far along as the Thunder are, and I think that the Thunder still are a ways away. Yes, and I do not think that, Colin. Okay. Okay. Because right. I am a reasonable person. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> the magic, on the that. other hand, Con, the people in the front office of the magic, Con, I very much didn't think that they could be a play team next year, perhaps starting with the return of Jonathan, with Paolo Bancaro being their offensive focal point, Markel Fultz back for the entire year. Hopefully, Jalen Suggs takes another step. You know, if Cole Anthony took a Markel pretty good Fultz step. For anything, then it I feels am like not, you have. Con. I am not, but I. We have to justify. We have to justify why the magic think. We do not. Well, I am justifying to you. (laughs) Okay. Because NBA franchises are dumb, Con. They're dumb. Feels is about ninety percent of them are. If the magic were smart, Con, Chet Holmgren has his number one pick wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight months ago, um, I'm gonna give this. Uh, when was the last time? I think the last time we did grades con was trade deadline, and that's when I give the Kings a B for the Sabonis trade. Um, oh this feels eerily similar to that, but I I'm giving the Magic an A still con. Okay, all right. I mean, a lot of a lot of respectable journalists, you know, when they do their draft grades, I've I've seen grades higher than that, but I just I personally do not care for it. Mine's a B. All right, should we should we move on? A plus. No, my A plus for Chet Holmgren. Oh, A plus for Chet Holmgren. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to spend that much time on Chet. Uh, no, the Thunder are a ways away. They have some very nice pieces. We both think that Chet Holmgren is, I mean, just this unicorn of a prospect. Right. I mean, yeah. Anything else? To yes. Say there? Yes. It's OKC should be thrilled, Con. This really is like their first big step to getting back to where they want to be. Yeah. Um and to have Chet Hongren at number two here, Con, is honestly a blessing, I think. Um He needs time, Con. We said that in the mock draft episode. He's mm-hmm. gonna go need to go to a team that has time. And the Thunder have nothing but time, Con. And yeah. Out of these top three picks, Chet Holmgren is going to the team who I believe has the best talent to play around with. Oh, absolutely. It's a win-win scenario, Con. Dude, is there a better young point guard to have than Josh Giddy for this guy right now? Out of the other two teams? like, I mean, out of, amount of, out of any team, is there a better young point guard? Kate Cunningham, Lamelo. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> Luka Doncic. Uh, Luka Doncic is a new young point guard anyway. That doesn't count. Okay, okay. He's been in the league okay. for five years now. John Moran. You got MVP votes. That doesn't count. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, LaMelo made an all-star game. He doesn't count yeah, either. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a and really you know what? Point. Kate Cunningham, he had a good season. He doesn't count either. Okay, so I was right. 
You were right, I guess. But Kong, we don't have to spend much. You kind of talked yourself into that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a this is an A plus con, and I think we're gonna look look back in you know five ten years, and this is just gonna be mind blowing to NBA analysts of that time. I I think it could be as soon as like December. We look back and we go second game of the NBA season. When Chet blocks the shit out of Rudy Gobert on one end, then drains a three on the other end, and we're like, hmm, this guy, he might, yeah, this guy might be decent. Yeah, this guy might be onto something. Yeah, when Wendell Carter is still the, the best player for the Magic next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, and then maybe the biggest winners of this entire draft, the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get Jabari Smith Jr., and to have him paired with Jalen Green, I mean, if you're the Rockets, what what more could you ask for? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Just... This was the Rockets were in a pretty prime position, con for this draft, holding the number three pick. Yeah, in a draft where you know it's a three player top tier, mm. um, whichever one fell to the Rockets, con was going to be a no brainer for them mm. to pick. Um, Jabari Smith Jr., best shooter in the class. I'm not afraid to say that. He shot 44% no. on 164 three-point attempts last year. Um, along with being the best shooter in the class, Con, he's a 6'10", 19-year-old. Um, yeah. He, The reason I think the Magic didn't go with Jabari Smith number one is I think Powell Bancaro has more shot creation. Um than Jabari Smith Jr., um, but that can also be a negative con because Paul Bancaro's yeah. shot selection is pretty questionable at some times, yeah. but I think the Rockets are going to absolutely fall. Rockets fans are absolutely going to fall in love with this kid. He's super competitive. He has, he has like, I'm thinking of how to describe it, Con. Like, I can see Jabari Smith Jr. strengthening his weaker attributes than Paolo or Chet. Meaning he could become the best, the fastest, I think. Yeah, I I agree with that. And, I mean, if we're talking about body type, I know like people have been freaking out over chat. Like, this dude at 6'10", to be an elite, elite perimeter shooter, mm-hmm. <sighs> that's that's tough. I, I really... I can't think of a guy other than KD that has three-point potential at that size like this. Yeah, and that's why I'm actually, like, I'm actually a bit happier Jabari Smith Jr. ended up going to the Rockets than the Magic Con. I think it's a better situation. Because the Magic were going to try to make him be their number one scorer and shot creator for the other players on the team, and Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the player Jabari Smith Jr. is currently at the moment. But with a team that has Jalen Green, who loves to attack the lane, like, Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be able to find moves. They also picked up Ty Ty Washington, probably the Ooh, most pure like. Pick, yeah, he's like probably it. the most pure like playmaking point guard con. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who's just going to pass the rock. Another great pickup. Um, this isn't. This is a. This is an A plus for Houston con. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. And then let's not forget that this guy could be the best defender in this draft as well. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is, and his his defensive versatility next to Shengun, I think, is going to be a very good fit. Yeah, defensive versatility is just a good fit next to anybody. But yeah, it's just it's Shen-Gun. just funny, Con, because this like this this uh, crop of these three forwards we're seeing 
it's really just like uh it it's like a it's like a snapshot of what the NBA is just becoming, you know. Yeah. Like you have to have these ultra versatile gigantic people to be good in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it it feels like, you know, at, at this point like you can't you can't just be like a guard anymore. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're six four. Like, you're not making yeah, it to the right. league. Right, yeah, like either you have to be like Chris Paul level talented at the guard position, or it's just like, we have... <laughs> I, sorry, dude, we've got six eleven point guards nowadays. <laughs> Our center's six five. Figure it out. <laughs> We're that own at point guard. Yeah. It's here, yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's move on. Con right, your no, favorite teams. Yeah. Um, no, the I, I Sacramento just Kings. Out, out ahead of it. I think that this was the single worst pick in the whole draft. Worst pick in the draft. Single worst pick in the entire draft. Yes. <sighs> Mama Mia, Sacramento Kings. They should quit. They. I, God damn I, it. They need to be I hate this. But I don't want to go. I don't want to go on this tangent again. You know, explain that the Sacramento front office to the playoffs, basing every single around that. No, let me put it this way. Positive. <laughs> I I'm not exaggerating when I say I'm confident that you and I could do a better job running the Kings than oh, the Kings that's are like... currently doing. Like I I like. <laughs> 100% if somebody picked up the phone right now and was like, do you think you could be the Kings GM right now? And I was like, I would say absolutely at least better than what they're currently doing. 100%. Easily. 100%. I would have the Kings, if I had the Kings and I was running them, they'd have Luka Doncic, so. Yeah, well, yeah. Same. Yes. We would have had Luka Doncic five years ago and we would be fine. That fucking Marvin Bagley. Jesus. But, Con. I know you don't want to say good things about the Kings. So I'll say a couple of good things okay. about them. Thank you. Keegan Murray, the forward out of Iowa, taken with the number four pick by the Sacramento Kings. What do they get in Keegan Murray, Con? They get a guy who very cleanly fits their roster. Um, Keegan Murray is a guy who's going to have a pretty smooth transition to the league. But did the Kings take the best prospect? No. No. Murray is kind of oldish for a top prospect. He's going to be 22 in August. And his skill set kind of feels like it belongs to an NBA veteran. Um, yes. He's a guy who has super good film. His film is awesome. He barely makes mistakes on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, good multi-positional defensive versatility. And great catch and shoot. Yeah. Um, I think Keegan Murray is going to project as a very high level like glue guy that many teams oh, yeah. would want. 100%. Um, this kind of archetype of player con helps good teams. Like yes. Keegan Murray going to a, is a no-brainer a for a team. good team. Like a good how team. Much does it do f- how much does it do for a team like the Kings, who are basically a play-in hopeful? It helps. It's you. just a meh. It it's a meh selection. For that nine seed. Like, that's, that's it. Like, I think Keegan Murray is going to have a very long NBA career. I think his floor is incredibly high. I would be shocked if he plays less than 12 years in the NBA. I think he's 
he's fundamentally so solid. He has a great feel for the game. He knows where to be. He knows how to make the pass. He does everything correctly. That's not incredibly valuable to a team that has not been to the playoffs in 19 years. Yeah, whatever, whatever, 17 years, whatever the hell it is. You you need to be taking just best, not best fit, best available, if you are the Sacramento Kings. I like Sabonis a lot. It clearly did not help you be any better once he came to your team. I think De'Aaron Fox is fantastic, super athletic, super fast, a very good point guard. Little too turnover prone, little too ball dominant. You need another playmaker next to him. Getting a guy like Keegan Murray, he's gonna smooth things over. You know, he's he's gonna play nice and transition. He's he's gonna make some threes, but he's not he's not fundamentally changing the trajectory of this team, which is why this is like a D plus pick. <sighs> D plus. I will not be this pick a D plus. Um. I'm yeah. grading this based you're, off of yeah. You're a little softer than I am, you know. You're uh, you're the you're the I teacher that the kids sign up for, you know, when they're struggling a little bit, need a good GPA. Oh yeah, you know, I if the Kings are set on this play in perspective, con which they are, and they're making the right moves to whatever fulfill that hole that they want by making the playoffs, the pick gets a B minus for me. Horse shit coming out of your mouth right now. Okay. I mean, no, um, I, I get what you're saying. I get from their perspective <laughs> if they think that they're like some friggin' win now team, then yeah, maybe maybe Keegan Murray is the right pick, I guess. Um, but the Detroit Pistons at the five pick get Jaden Ivey, a guy that you and I have talked about at length, seeing as we're Big Ten fans, specifically Indiana fans. This is a dude that is an elite athlete. He's got the ball handles. He's got the perimeter shooting. He's just a fantastic offensive weapon. So solid. Can do it at all three levels. I think he is going to excel next to Cade. I think that the Pistons are on a fantastic trajectory. Yeah. Um, the Pistons, honestly, might have the NBA's like most electric backcourt combo now. Yeah. Um, I think the pairing of Jay Nivey next to Kate Cunningham is so beautiful because Kate Cunningham is more of a methodical, you know, get to my spot, I can beat you with size and athleticism and ball handling, and pairing that with just Jay Nivey's pure electricity con mm-hmm. is going to be such a nice tandem for the Pistons to be able to tap into. Um, and I... in. Jay Nivey is going to lead this draft class, Colin, in, like, House of Highlights Instagram oh, yeah. post this year very easily. Maybe Chad. Maybe Chad. I don't think so. Jay Nivey is going to have, like, ten, like, fast break, just absolute poster slammers. Um, you know, his jumper isn't as reliable as you would want it to be from a guard, Colin, Um, but two of his other, you know, not-as-good attributes I think would be his passing 
um, and mm-hmm. more so just his offensive, half-court offensive like awareness. And I think those are two things Cade is going to help alleviate a lot because yeah. Cade's going to be the main ball handler and main playmaker. And Cade already con plays very mature for only, you know, this going into his second year of being yeah. in the league. Um, if a, you know, if a perimeter player comes out, the best player, the best perimeter player to come out of this draft con is 100%. probably going to be Jaden Ivey. 100%. And I mean, Detroit just absolutely, it, the future's looking very bright in Detroit con, and you and I are both, um, you know, two advocates that, you know, the league's better when Detroit's a better team. I think so, so this is, this is an A plus con. This is an A plus. Easy. Yeah, I mean the, the Pistons are one of the most historic franchises in the NBA. They really haven't been relevant for the last decade or so, um, other than like some Andre Drummond stuff. Detroit, you know, and, and I think our generation may have like really missed the bulk of it. But Detroit is just so much fun when they're good. I mean, the Malice of the Palace. Like they think about that. Like that's how passionate those fans were. They literally got the entire Pacers team in 2003-2004 suspended. <laughs> like, that's sick. Oh, uh, yeah. So, no, so I, I will say this. Ivy is, is very turnover-prone and pretty reckless at times, which is why I think pairing him next to Cade makes so much sense because he's not the primary ball handler. Mm-hmm. He really does fit as an NBA shooting guard. So then why... Do the Kings, who already have their primary ball handler, not pick the best shooting guard available in the draft? I honestly think you said the reasons the Kings didn't do it in that reasoning con. Because I think recklessness and not being the best passer could also fit for De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, but De'Aaron Fox is a guy who averages like... Eight assists a game. Like he's been top ten in assists since he came into the league. And Sabonis is a yes. Like like if there's a combo of. But do you really? No, go ahead. Do I really? I am. I am not the biggest fan. I think if Sacramento would have taken Ivy, it would have been a real train wreck. Tbh. Um. I think... I disagree. I mean, it was already you, a train wreck, so... You can agree with that, Con, but Sacramento is going to be a team that is based off their half-court offense. And half-court offense is maybe Jaden Ivey's biggest weakness. Whereas a team like Detroit, they're going to be running up and down the floor. Yeah. And Keegan Murray fits very well into a half-court offense. So... All right, all right. You know what? You, you're making points. You're making points. You're making points. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alrighty, Noah. I mean, come on. We're at the point. We're at the point. We've got the Indiana Pacers at number six, selecting the wing out of Arizona, standing at six foot four and a half, age twenty on the dot, weighs two hundred five, sophomore from Arizona. Benedict Matherin. How stoked are you? I am very happy with this pick, Colin. Um, If the Pacers are really pivoting into this new kind of rebuild, um, I'm very happy that, you know, we have the trio of Duarte, 
Halliburton and now Ben Matherin to, you know, be leading that rebuild. Um, the dude's just a high-level athlete, Colin. He's a high-level shot maker. Um, at the very least, those are reasons for Pacers fans to be excited. Um, this is this is like, this is crazy, Colin. It's something like I've literally never experienced mm-hmm. as a Pacers fan as of to date, drafting a guy this high who has, like, potentially this much talent. Um, two things. One thing Ben Matherin is lacking on Colin is just his creation. Um in his bag right now, which I'm not really too worried about because we still have guy, we still have Hal Burton, who is our main point guard, and we still have the likes of people like TJ McConnell on the roster. So I don't think Ben Matherin is ever going to be asked to really play make in his first year. That it's more so just something we want to see develop. Um, dude's going to make tons of perimeter shots for the Pacers, yeah. and he's going to be an absolute monster out of transition, like right out of the gate, con, which is kind of what you want. You want a guy. You want a rookie to feel comfortable. And if yeah. we're asking Ben Matherin, you know, to shoot threes and run on the fast break, like, he can fill those two lanes very easily. Um, I think we took the on the board, left on the board, Colin. I think the Pacers have a real talent here on their hands. I think so, too. Um, See, I... It gets a, yeah. gets a B plus for me. Really? I, uh... I, I'd probably give it an A-. minus. You know, like it's it was in my opinion the best pick on the board, the best fit. Um, I really like how he fits in with that young core. The three point shooting on those attempts is really solid at the college level. Um, and you know what, Noah, I, I gotta say it after watching him in the tournament, like analytics be damned, he got that dog in him. He he got that. I dog. looked at the he, he got, got that dog. he got that dog in him, Con. He's a uh, him and Halliburton are actually a very, like, interesting pairing because um, everything, you know, just to give the background, Ben Matherin, um, his background to, like, just his life, yeah, he grew up in basically the worst neighborhood in Montreal, like a super poverty-stricken, drug-stricken um, area. Um, at 12 years old, his brother, his older brother, basically, you know, Ben Matherin's role model was hit and killed by a car. And, you know... At a certain point, Ben Matherin, you know, even at that young of an age, Con decided that, you know, this isn't the life I want to live. And he basically got very lucky and got an opportunity to go to Mexico City and um, basically enroll in an NBA development school. And he, you know, he basically, he even said this in one of his pre-draft interviews. He's like, you know, it's either make it in the league or nothing. Like, there's no backup plan for this guy. You know, like, this is this is how he gets his family, you know from rags to riches and i really just enjoy that story um you know you want a guy with a chip on his shoulder like that and he is a super everyone from arizona con said that he was super quiet off the court yet he is he was like oh the vocal undoubtedly arizona's vocal leader on the court whereas tyrese halliburton is a super cool laid-back guy on the court con and sometimes you know doesn't really fill that um voice on the court so i think it's gonna be an awesome pairing and at the very least, Con, I get to watch Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin yeah. for 82 games next All year, right. so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and uh, I, I know this is a draft thing, Noah, but uh, real quick, what do you think the Pacers do with Miles Turner this offseason? Is he is he traded? Uh, we're keeping Miles Turner. Okay. Uh, we're keeping Miles Turner, and I think, I don't know, if, the Wizard, if Bradley Beal hadn't fucked the Wizards up so bad and said, 
okay, so Bradley, update on Bradley Beal. Opted out of his $38 million player contract, Colin, just to say that he was going to sign a new five-year for the Wizards, which really fucked him over on draft night because they would have 100% traded for Malcolm Brogdon and gave the Pacers the 10th pick, but that's a whole other story. Um, I think we're going to be bad again this year for next year's draft class, which is loaded, so I'm... I'm very happy with where the direction of things yeah, are going. Yeah. For sure. Uh, All right, um, talk to me about Shadon Sharp going at number seven to the Trailblazers. No, I'll be honest. I I don't know why, but I, I slipped a lot on watching Shadon Sharp stuff before the draft. But there are a lot of people who think that he sneaky could be like one of the best picks of this draft. There are there are a lot of people that think that con, and I have to give you some reasoning as to why I think the Blazers did this pick. Um, and a lot of the draft pre-draft analysis I was reading about Shadon Sharp, it's basically that this guy is a crazy talent, but he's also a mystery. He's the draft's mystery yeah. man. And personally, if I were a GM con, I, I don't really like that because you know you're only as good as your film. You you know what right. I mean, like. I, I just want to see a guy that played a whole college season. Um, and the Blazers are a team who need as much win-now talent as anyone else in the league, Con, because they're trying to very quickly retool around 32-year-old Damian Lillard. And they just spent a top-ten pick on someone who hasn't played a game in a year. <laughs> but on the other hand, Con, they could have just picked someone with a super high ceiling at both ends, so it's hard to complain. Um, I... Shadon Sharp needed to go to a team con where the GM wouldn't be fired. Like, the GM had wouldn't be fired based off of picking Shadon Sharp at the right. end of the year, which is why the Blazers took him, because they have a first-year GM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think it's going to be a good... I wouldn't have taken Shadon Sharp. I would have taken Dyson Daniels. Um, I think he's just more of a seamless fit next to both Dame and Anthony Simons. Uh, but I still think it's a decent pick on just for the, you know, like, fuck it aspect. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of the pick, I think I like it. I just, I still think that if I'm Portland, I would have preferred to have traded it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like there was more secure talent out there by trading this than drafting a 19-year-old guy that's never played a game. Didn't play a game in college, right? Didn't play a single game. Not a single game. A single I think game. what we learned from this the most, Con, was that people's actual trade values are very different than what the media's trade value. Yeah, think it is. I, I think that's fair too. Because I mean, like, if you think about like, and I, I don't know, but like, we all think that like Tyrese Halliburton should have been untouchable, right? And clearly, he wasn't. And it feels like there's situations like that every year where there's a dude who you're like, wow, they way overpaid for him. Like, that makes no sense. And then there's dudes that's like, you kidding me right now? How is how did you get him for that? Like Jeremy Grant? Like, we all thought that guy was worth a lottery pick in this draft, Colin, and he goes for a 2025 Milwaukee pick. Like, what? And it turned out that they, that ended up being a part of a three-team trade, but still, that Mm -hmm. was a goddamn steal. So honestly, I think that, like, this is the boldest pick of the draft, but I think I think the Blazers tried to do everything they could to trade this pick on, and there was just nothing available. So they take the guy with the most potential on the board, which 
Yeah. At this like number seven in a draft, I think I'm okay with that being happening. So I'm gonna give this pick a B. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I was I was going with it. You know, I just like I was never gonna give it an A. It's it seems fine enough. Like we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, this could easily be like the worst pick in the draft, and who knows, it could be the best. <coughs> All right, let's uh, let's start to roll through these just a little bit quicker, Noah. Uh, at number eight, the Pelicans take Dyson Daniels, uh, widely accepted as the best G League talent in the draft. Um, this is a dude who plays some fantastic defense, really good hustle player, not the the best perimeter shooter for uh, a guard but still has some fantastic playmaking ability. The Pelicans, I uh, feel like they, they needed a little bit of that, you know? Eric Bledsoe mm-hmm. wasn't the guy. We'll say that much. Yeah, I honestly think Dyson Daniel fills a very good hole that the uh, Pelicans roster needed to fill. Um, Australia's doing, they got something going on, Con, with their big guards down there. Like, Dyson Daniels is literally just he reminds me of he reminds me so much of Josh Giddy. I think Josh Giddy's a better playmaker at the time, but I think Dyson Daniels is a better NBA defender defender. Mm-hmm. Um honestly Dyson Daniels has has it's funny Colin because he has shades of like Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday just in terms of things that he does in his yeah. game. Two players that were on the <laughs> Pelicans roster at one point. Um but I think I think Dyson Daniels this is a steal for the Pelicans, I Colin. Think so, I think yeah. Dyson Daniels next to a Zion, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, you know, Herb Jones potential lineup, or even with Jonas, in the starters with Jonas Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing pick. I'm giving this an A minus. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. You know, this is this is a Pelicans team that like we saw take the Suns to six games, which at face value is saying take somebody to six games doesn't sound great, but holy shit, it was. Like that was that was big, especially for a team who did not even finish the the regular season as a top eight seed, uh, and they did that all without Zion. I think that this is a great pick. Uh, I think he does it on both sides of the ball, and I think you already have your scoring. So go get out and get the best playmaker available. And this dude is right up there with the top of the draft. So mm-hmm. fantastic pick. Uh, number nine. No, this is a guy that I know you were a fan of. Jeremy Soshan out of Baylor. Taken by the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, kind of an interesting player for a wing. He did not average a lot of points. Not a great score. But, uh, in, in the, the, the pre-draft episode that happened during the draft, you compared him to a, a very specific player. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. (laughs) Andrew Wiggins. In hindsight, I did find out that I I had COVID that day. And and so I'm giving myself some slack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we'll chalk it up to. Yeah. No, literally that whole day, I was, like, so (laughs) off. And I was like, what is going on with me? And then the next day I tested positive for COVID. And I was like, ah, you know what? I'll, I'll give myself that <laughs> that really stupid fucking comment about Andrew Wiggins. All right, I'm good. I cleared myself, so it, it doesn't matter how stupid you think it is. I cleared myself. <laughs> um, this is this is a pit con where I love the player, but don't really love the team that took him. Yeah. Um, 
Jeremy Sochan's going to be an awesome player, Colin. He just has the like body type and the game to where you know he you can see him being an important player on a team in the finals. Um, maybe the most disru- maybe the most disruptive defender in the draft, but he's also one of the least developed scorers, at least for guys taken in the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he wasn't such a dynamic defender, Colin, he would he wouldn't even be close to anyone near a lottery pick because he shot thirty percent from three on very low attempts and sixty percent from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of the the Spurs just I guess aren't ready, Colin, to you know call this a rebuild, but that's what they like. They just like last year, they take Josh Primo, the youngest dude in the draft, with a lottery mm-hmm. pick. This year, they take a guy that kind of seems like you know he's ready to automatically start. But like the Spurs are going to be a five hundred team, even if this guy is like best case scenario. So the yeah. actual like the player grade for Jeremy Sochan is like an A, but the actual draft grade for me is like a C. <sighs> See, so in my mind, you, the, the Spurs have DeJounte Murray, who's still pretty young. I mean, you can throw the max at him. I mean, you're not paying anybody on that team. So, I don't know, getting guys like this for three years down the road, it's not it's not a bad pick to me, especially because I think of the, the talent available at the nine spot. Like, you know, there's, there's maybe two other guys I personally would have considered, but... Uh, I like this is uh, Usmani Jang and AJ Griffin. Okay, I would have considered Jalen in here for the center. Jakob Pertl's in the last year of his contract. Yeah, but again, you're the Spurs. Like you can resign him. Like, like everything I read about that because I, I did see that they might have gone center was like it's a need that's not really a, like a need. I think the Spurs just need to say what, what direction they're going in, and everyone would be like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'm sure. And like, like they're still trying to make the playoffs, I guess. Yeah. Well, and how much of it is, like, like the Spurs have a debt of gratitude to Greg Popovich, right? And Greg Popovich doesn't yes, want to sit yes, there and rebuild. Yes, So, yeah. I, I, and I don't know that, but if I was a betting man, that would be my guess as to why the direction is so flimsy. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm gonna give this pick a B, a B, B plus. I like a B plus. I like a B plus. I'm not gonna be swayed by your picks. B plus. <laughs> um. Ooh, all right. No, the uh, the Wizards at number ten. They go with uh, Wisconsin guard Johnny Davis. Absolutely electric. Um, very fun to watch. But I don't like this pick. I do not like this pick, Noah. I just uh, this is uh this is another pick con where I don't think it's bad, but what yeah what do you think what about? are the wizards doing like I guess you know they're trying to make a competitive team around Bradley Beal, which then I guess you draft the most helpful pro the guy you can see like the most helpful pro prospect, I would call Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, he can come in and hit shots for the Wizards. So it's yeah. like, yeah, that's fine. But also, like, maybe we take a Usman Jang here. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I just, I I see Johnny Davis as, as being able to score inefficiently. You know? And he actually, he had a pretty nice true shooting percentage at Wisconsin. I mean, he averaged 20 points, 
on a 54% true shooting. Like taking a lot of, like, ridiculous taking, yeah, shots for exactly, the Badgers, too. Exactly. But but with that said, no, he's not a good three-point shooter. And yeah, 30% last season. Yeah. Like, it just – it doesn't feel great. You know, and, and the one intangible, Noah, so he's – He's six four and a half, which is actually bigger than I thought he was. He, and I kind of discredited his defense the other day after going back and looking at it. He's actually he's a pretty good defender, especially a, a good team defender. Uh, what struck me the most was he averaged eight rebounds in Big Ten play, which is notorious for being kind of like a, a grit and grind, lot of boxing out. Like it, it's not easy for guards to get that many rebounds. So I I could see him being a a plus on the rebounding edge, which I, I just I don't know. I like does that really matter if you're a guard in the NBA? Like, do Russell Westbrook's rebounds like really matter? Like, is that a reason why you would ever draft a guard? I'm I'm just trying to like look for maybe other positives here. I I think you'd have to go deeper um, into the advanced analytics on that, Colin, and see like. Off of Russell Westbrook's eight and a half rebounds, he gets a game. How many of those lead to a fast break chance? Because yeah. that's the only reason you want a guard taking a rebound mm-hmm. away from your center. Um, I, I'm also kind of I'm not what I hate taking a backup, drafting a guy that's the yeah. same position as your best player. Yeah. That just seems like a yeah, little bit controversial. I, he's not a point guard. No, and neither is Bradley Beal. No. But also, there's no good point guards in this class no, other than Jaden Ivey, so it's tough. And I, I don't project Jaden Ivey to even be a, Yeah, he's a shooting guard, too. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah I'm going to give this pick a, a C-. minus. Yeah, I'm going to give it a C+. Plus. I'm just... I, I'm harsher than you know. I'll, I'll say. I guess that. I'm just a little bit more yeah, nice. Yeah, you're soft. We're go- we got good cop, bad cop going yeah, on here. Yeah. I, I you uh, see in in real life, you're <laughs> always the bad cop. So this is this is surprising. What's that mean? You're an asshole. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go here, Colin. Number eleven. Uh, originally, the New York Knicks oh, pick. They trade it to the Oklahoma Dude. City Thunder for three oh, future firsts. Can we invest in the Thunder? Um, is that is that possible? No and I had like a half hour conversation the other day about investing, and you know what? The best investment I can give you right now might just be the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> um, Usman Jane, like a, a very, a very interesting you know project is what I think a lot of people would call him. Mm-hmm. Um, 6'10", 19 years old, and his his skills alone, you know, deserve his skills alone. Con in the project he has, I think swayed a lot of teams from taking him. But, again, another perfect scenario where a guy who's going to need two to three years to develop to get up to speed with the NBA game goes to the team that has nothing but time. Um, Usman Jang is an insane ball handler, Colin, for being 6'10". Dude's super smooth with the ball in his hands. Um, The, like, the... The you know ground floor is in place, Con, for Usman Jang to be a very impactful two-way player. Um, just being the size he is, he can get to a lot of his spots on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, he just needs a lot of like you know the fine tuning yeah. of a player. And Oklahoma City's playing the long game as they should, Con, and the Thunder could be 
This is this crazy. That this is just insane, Con. Yeah. No, this is a guy. He he needs to retool his shot. His his shot is not good. It's it's not good looking right now. Um, it'll be retooled. But with that said, just the versatility he has on the defensive end, on the offensive end. He's super young. Oh my God, he's just he's an athlete. He's an athlete, and he's he's going to be a glue guy for this Thunder team. Like, that's what it's going to come down to. Like, when you think of all the pieces they have, like, he just seems like that perfect, like, small forward for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's it's going to work out so well. I really do think. <laughs> I mean, just thinking of playing, a, having to go against a Jane Chet Holmgren frontcourt lineup, like, three years right. down the line, Colin, you're like... What, why did we let the Thunder do this? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, mean, I think like I think Jang plays out on the wing a little bit more than he does as a forward. Honestly, I know he's listed as a, like a, a forward. I just I, I see him just playing that way a little bit more. So I mean, you could add another dude with height, and and realistically, Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, like Chet Holmgren. Like I. He's not like a he, – he plays center on, on defense. You know, he's like the rim protector, but he doesn't really – his post-up game's not why why he's an offensive powerhouse. So, yeah, I mean, they could be just rocking the tallest lineup ever because Josh Giddy's like 6'9", too. Six, they seven, throw eight, Poku eight. in there? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sit down, little boy. <laughs> um, this one's getting a B for me, Colin, just because we've seen, you know, other project guys not work out yeah. before. Uh, but the fact that he's going to a team like the Thunder, I think uh, warrants it a B alone. I I think I'm gonna give it an A minus. This dude like really mm-hmm. rose up. I wanted the Bulls to take him so badly. Um, and you know, what? no, I'll, I'll say this too: the Thunder get a half grade bump up just for being the Thunder because I trust them so much. That's facts. Um, number twelve, Colin, also the Oklahoma City Thunder. They take Jalen Williams, point guard, shooting guard out of Santa Clara. Um, the this is the Thunder uh, like beat writers on the Athletic Con. You know yeah. they said that the Thunder took like relative gambles on Holmgren and Jang, yeah. and they said that I actually played it safe here, taking Jalen Williams, who mm-hmm. is six four Con, but has a seven two wingspan. Holy shit! <laughs> God, I didn't. I I remember hearing that on draft night and just being, how is that? How is that humanly possible? Um, just like the same way you said that you see Jang being a glue guy for the Thunder, um, I think Jalen Williams is a glue guy for them next year. I think he helps fill a lot of the gaps in that two to four range yeah. um, of the rotation for the Thunder. And, you know, just looking at, like, Williams is just going to be the connector between the Giddy and the Giddy and SGA to the Holmgren and Jang. Yeah. Um, I think, I think. Really good pick. Um, you could say they reached at twelve, but also yeah. if they get the guy they think pick, that's so. the best left on the yeah yeah yeah. Uh, this one's also this one's getting a B plus just because Jalen Williams I think is going to have immediate like game one yeah. year one impact. Yeah, I like a I like a B plus for this one. Uh, no, his true shooting percentage in college was actually sixty percent this last year. That, that's insane. That's I crazy. see him taking like a. a a younger Nicholas Batum type role. I think he's going to stand in the corner a lot and just rain. He shot thirty nine and a half on over a hundred attempts last year from uh, deep. I just, I mean, again, it's just like a solid pick. And again, he's he's versatile. He can play it both ways. Oh man, 
Right. Thunder are going to be so fun. Yeah. Um, dude, the Pistons at 13. Banger pick. Banger, Banger pick. pick. Jalen Duran, a guy that I, I really think could have gone higher in this draft. You know, the uh, the, the first, like, true center in my mind to, to go here. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this is just, it's it shades of DeAndre Jordan. It is really just, yeah. just what I think. It's just the absolute cherry on top of the draft night yeah. that the Pistons had calling. After getting their backcourt of the future with Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, they then absolutely solidified their center spot by landing Jalen Duran in a trade with Charlotte. Um, Jalen Duran is absolutely going to make his presence felt um, in the NBA con game one, year one for the Pistons. Um, the biggest question mark for him is his motor. Like scouts would say, you know, some games Jalen Duran would easily be the dominant player on the floor. Yeah. Other games he would, you know, just you wouldn't even notice him out there sometimes. For a dude that's your center, you don't want that happening. Um, but the Pistons needed a guy here, Colin, who was just yeah. a pure athletic rim runner. Right. Uh, not only for Cade, but also for Jaden Ivey. And I think I like that the Pistons aren't didn't get like swept up, Colin, in the whole DeAndre Ayton rumors. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, I you really I need to spend that, that much money. No. Yes, I, because that would that would be them pulling a magic and thinking they're farther ahead than they are. Exactly. When really they should just let this thing naturally develop. Right, there's going to be another center of that caliber in three years. You know, when, yes. when you're really right there, you know, like we, we've seen it. Like I think like a great comp is the Celtics. Like the Celtics had that core, and obviously like they were competitive right away, right away with the the Brown Tatum duo. But like the centers, you've kind of been able to find along the way once you have those cornerstone pieces. And obviously, mm-hmm. Rob Williams is just a a different kind of player at like six, six being a center. But I, I think it's, it's an easier piece to fill, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, at 14, the Cavs take, uh, national champion, Oshai Agbaji <laughs> out of Kansas. Uh, a dude who was like national player of the year contender. He maybe doesn't quite translate to, the college game as well. Actually, no, the the first four-year player taken in the draft. Wow. Wow. Right? This is an interesting pick because I guess either I was higher on A.J. Griffin than actual NBA teams. Yeah, which I think is kind of accurate. The Cavs, like, clearly identified the the wing as, like, their biggest in this draft, and it's just whether they grab the right one in Ochai Agbaji. Yeah. Um, Agbaji is the mold for a 3 and D. He actually got, like, 32% of Cairns last 12 games yeah. from three. Um, I think Agbaji is going to be solid Cavs just because, like you said, is already, you know, grown man. Uh but back at this draft, you know, history might not be as kind to the Cavs for not taking AJ Griffin. Yeah, because I still AJ Griffin a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, th- this feels like the Cavs really do feel like they're they're pretty far along and want the dude who's twenty two and not the dude that's nineteen. That's kind of the way yeah. that I'm taking it. I mean the the outside stroke, which is something that the Cavs struggled with, is clearly there. I mean, shot forty one percent from three on over two hundred attempts, 
Uh, dude averaged 20 points on 6% true shooting. If all you're asking him to do is, is stand on the corner, play some defense, and uh, bang him down every once in a while, you know, that this feels like a pretty safe pick, especially for where they're at with their core in Garland, Mobley, and Jared Allen. And he's smart too. Yeah, like, you know, in, in watching him, like uh, he's not a guy that that made a lot of mistakes. As much as he had the ball in his hands last year, he averaged two turnovers. Yeah, that's really good. And yeah, Kansas did count on him a lot. Um, could be. I think it's just a solid pick. Like I think probably there's a C just on it for who they took. Um, just like we'll get a better grade on this after you know either see what yeah. AJ Griffin becomes or AJ doesn't become yeah i'm gonna um, give it a b minus i think it, it's a safe pick but you know for where the Cavs are at i i don't hate it also that Jalen duran pick was an a for me oh Easy. yeah I, I give that an a as well i don't know um so let me go 15 here at the hornets we'll do 15 and then let's do your bulls at yeah and then we can go on because well, we aj just... griffin oh okay yes 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 yeah. so charlotte's 15th pick they take mark williams out of duke the basically the second center yeah, um, true center to go off the board here to the Hornets, um, and the Hornets went on the clock at number thirteen. Both Jalen Duran and Mark Williams on the board, um, so they were basically in win territory. Because, you know the cat probably pick a center because they have Mobley and Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Jared Allen. Um, I get Charlotte feels better. Mark Williams, Jalen Duran, so they thirteen. Yeah. Mark Williams fills just another immediate hole con with a yeah. team that has two young dynamic guards um, that needed athletic running center. Um, dude is seven foot one con with a seven <laughs> six and a half span. Um, I'm pretty sure well, the I have only seven seven. So let's use seven seven. Yeah. Okay. Seven seven wingspan. Uh, pretty crazy. Uh, it's just like people are so mad these pick one like this is 15 people are like what else he become you know can he the three it's like maybe we just don't need that guy now maybe because we're at pick 15 like if this guy's a consistent starter for the next four years like let's call that a success that's a gigantic dub yeah like (laughs) if we're in the playoffs next year and like we're not complaining about our starting (laughs) center like let's we're not pulling out and Plumley and Cody Zeller yeah. executive. That's like decent. That's, yeah, we'll take that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like if you like look at the breakdown of like the odds that after the lottery somebody's an all star. Like it's almost it's like I forget what it is, but it's like more likely that you pick an all star from picks like thirty one to thirty five than it is from picks like twenty one to twenty four. It's a, it's some stupid stat like that, but yeah, because it's it's just all about the gamble. I mean, like. And you've got guys like Draymond Green, Jokic, like whatever random amount of international dudes who just, mm-hmm. you know, you took massive gambles on, and it worked out. So, yeah, this this feels like a safe pick. I'll give it a, a B plus. Yeah, same. I give it a B plus too. Safe, and it fills an immediate void that the Hornets needed. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so then at 16, uh, A.J. Griffin, who I had going as high as 7 or 8, falls all the way to 16 at the Hawks, uh, and it feels like the one team who really didn't need him, Noah. Is that fair to say? Um, 
I I think the Hawks desperately needed a wing defender from this gone. Couldn't like ruin their spacing that they need mm-hmm. because shooting they needed defending. So not bought in AJ Griffin being a great NBA defender yet. Everything um, I've read, Noah, is that AJ Griffin it was considered to be um one of the worst, if not the worst, defenders to be taken in the first round. <clears throat> Mama, that does don't like that. But uh, I honestly think that AJ Griffin's defensive stats con like relatively kept in check last year just because of how loaded Duke's roster was. Yeah. Um Duke shot four point seven percent from three right. and fifty four point seven percent from on twos. Um, at the very least, the Warrior, the Hawks got Trey Young, another wing that can make shots when the ball falls to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know who I would have taken here, Colin. So you I had to kind of just have to. No, you had you to have take to him. take him. I was just saying, like that he fell into their lap. It didn't feel like like yes. this. The Hawks were like the ideal landing situation for AJ Griffin. Mm-hmm. I also don't think that I think the Hawks aren't done. And I think one of Bogdan or Kevin Huerter will be gone by the start of the season. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe so, they trade AJ Griffin too. Yeah, I would. Um, I honestly think this might, this gets a B plus from me, Colin, just because of, like that he fell to them all this way. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a B plus too. I think just like the the fit, just I mean, like he was the best available. He was the best available, but it just I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like. He's not going to be able to prosper and elevate his game like he would on one of those teams that's a bit further away. You know, the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Like, they, mm-hmm. they're ready to be competitive, and I just don't know that A.J. Griffin is ready to be on a competitive team. Yes. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Um, let's skip 17. Rockets yeah. take Tarius and yeah. forward out of LSU, blah, blah, blah. He's Whatever. a project. They have time, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Chicago Bulls, Con. Yeah, we're going to finish the episode um, on this. I have one more after this. Oh, yeah, And we'll finish, oh, okay. we'll finish after that. Uh, but the Chicago Bulls take Dalen Terry, um, 6'6 guard out of Arizona. He was a guy that I was high on, Con. He was one of my you know guys that I liked in this draft. Um, like I said, he's 6'6 for a guard, Con, so he has really good size. Um pretty good defender and he also i think i think he has i think dale and terry is going to see a decent amount of time gone where you know he may not be the point guard on the floor but he may be running that offense for the bulls in some sort of um facet um dude's not a very good scorer con no average six and a half points in two seasons and shot 35 percent on pretty low volume from the three uh, but the Bulls kind of get a perimeter defense specialist. Um, and for the Bulls to take him here, Colin, I think the Bulls must must think that there's like more to this guy than he actually showed to Arizona. And Kobe White could potentially be gone, so you needed kind of just another guard. Yeah, yeah, and and that's where I, I think this is a great pick. I mean, I think he's a great defender, which. The Bulls really, really lacked on the bench. Coming off the bench, we did not have 
mm-hmm. de- defensive depth. I mean, we we really didn't, and I think that's where you saw us really get cooked in that back half of the season. You know, when guys went down like Caruso, Lonzo. I mean, we just we collapsed mm-hmm. on the perimeter. So getting a guy who is ready to to jump in and, and fill that kind of role, you know, especially with everything projecting that Levine is going to sign the max contract. You know, we we've got it feels like enough offense. You know, the defense is really mm-hmm. what kind of brought us down at the end of the year. You know, even yeah, I mean, that, when you look mm-hmm. at the Bucks series, like we 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 should have won game one. We won game two, and then we just fell apart defensively. Fell apart. <laughs> and you know, I, I never really thought that we were going to beat the Bucks, but if there's one weakness, it was absolutely the defense. And you know, with the 18th pick, I I, t- I take it all day, all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I like the offensive problems didn't weren't a weren't a problem for me, Colin, as long as he went to the right team. Yeah. And the Bulls certainly don't need any shots taken away from, you know, DeRozan and Levine. Yeah. So I think Dalen Terry just seems like that like connector piece, Colin, between, you know, the the connector piece that the Bulls need on the floor where like he just catches the. He like, yeah. it's just spur of the moment playmaking. Yeah, because the only like the really the other need that I wanted us to address was maybe some three point shooting, um, and so like we, I I wouldn't have been upset if we took a guy like Malachi, um, Branham out of Ohio State who was a forty two percent three point shooter this year, um, but you know he just he really didn't do enough things elsewhere for it to warrant that, you know. Um, and, and he didn't take a, a huge high volume. So there wasn't, like, a sharpshooter out there that I was really um, entranced by, if you will. So, yeah, I, I thought this was a good pick. And it seems like a lot of people thought it was a good pick, which is always a nice feeling. Yeah. Um, last one I talk about, Andrew Nembard went pick 31 of the Pacers, first pick of the second round. Um, this is a guy I wanted the Pacers to take with our second round pick, and he's interesting, Con, because he's a four year guy, um, and he's a point guard. And it's he's the kind of guy, Con, that you know GMs and front offices often talk themselves out of acting just because they're like, oh, you have our second pick, like let's just go for a year and yeah. get a guy that's not going to play a single minute in four years. Uh, but that is not the case for Nimbar. The dude can not outplay Con. Like, he is a veteran, you know, caller. Like, the guy knows how to be a point guard. Um, also shot 39% from three, 88% from the free throw last year. Uh, decent recipe for you to be a guy who sticks in the league for a long time. Yeah. And if nothing else, a very solid point guard behind Halloran. It's kind of the same scenario as why. I'm not compared to this guy, but it's kind of the scenario as a guy like Jalen Brunson fell so oh. far in the draft that he went in. He was a rear guard. He's yeah. sized. And now look at him now. Yeah, he's, he's making about to go get winning plays. He's about to get a, gonna get a 5 mil bag from the Knicks. He makes winning plays. I think in the redraft, this call, Lombard is going to be super hot. I predict that right now. I bet is. I bet in redrafts, Colin, he's top 20. I'll say yeah, that right uh, now. Give me a hotter take than that. 
jumping up ten places, like, come on, that's weak. All right, I think Bulls could took this guy team, maybe. Wow, okay, that's a hot take. I like that. Then I like that. Oof, ooh-wee. Alrighty, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more proud of that episode than <laughs> than our, our 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 draft preview. Um, yeah, I I like this class. I think it's an interesting class. Um, you know, I think that we could see oh, this, this top three is going to be compared to each other for a very long time. It's going to be mm-hmm. the same as like the 2017 top five. It's it's going to be like that. We're going to be watching these guys for a while. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited for this next season to start. Con, we got summer league here up soon. Mm-hmm. We got free agency coming here. Soon. And then the NBA season's back on, and we're back on our basketball grind. Um, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Bench underscore Chatter. Leave us a like, leave us a rating, and we'll see you soon. Peace.